Hello, everyone, and welcome to this full moon meditation meeting in the sign of Pisces. At the time of the full moon, spiritual energies are heightened and more easily contacted in meditation. And this affords those of us who seek to mediate these energies into human consciousness a real opportunity. And it is this purpose which has drawn all of us here tonight and which unites us. And though we all come from very different backgrounds and different fields of human expression, we share a common sense of responsibility to do what we can to encourage a greater expression of humanity's spiritual nature. When we join together as a group, as we are doing tonight, we work with greater power and can cooperate consciously with those greater intelligences who guide the evolution of our planetary life. Occult meditation is the superlative form of service for those who can work via the mind with these subtle yet consequential energies that are particularly heightened at the time of the full moon. It is through meditation that one contacts the world of meaning and the world of spiritual realities yet imperfectly expressed in the material world. Through meditation, one even becomes a channel for those energies and thereby directs them consciously towards their intended and destined expression. We are reminded that the energy of hierarchy must stream forth and into something. Without an intermediary, it will not reach its destined goal. The energies which hierarchy, those great beings who are the guides of the planetary life and expression through humanity, the energy which they make available to humanity through their constant and sustained sacrifice is decidedly divine and not just spiritual. They, and by this simply is meant that they are directly conditioned by the first aspect of divinity, the will aspect. And this will energy is the energy that is highlighted during the time of the full moon. The hierarchy, these great guides, they are custodians of divine intention and they formulate that intention into a center of pure love. This center is an embodiment of the principle of relationship itself. It is pure knowledge, infallible beneficence, and the spiritual archetype, the plan, which will eventually work out on earth through the medium of humanity. The love of hierarchy transcends all sentiment and sense of separation to contact and transmit their energy, indeed to evoke it, our focused group intent must rise towards this ideal. We are reminded that just as separateness is naturally present in humanity's lower nature, so too is selfless compassion and group consciousness naturally present in its spiritual nature. When the lower and higher are blended, infused, and brought into right relationship, then the lesser light becomes a vehicle for the greater. And the basic antagonism of good and evil becomes simply love and its right expression. True occultism is the purest form of altruism. 
in true occult powers are only manifested once the separated self has been to some degree renounced and the soul is no longer its prisoner. When this occurs, the soul can then extend its awareness upwards and simultaneously manifest itself below. It becomes the triple self, the three aspects of mind representing the three periodical vehicles, monad or spirit, soul and personality. Helena Blavatsky wants to find occultism as quote, the study of the mind in nature. And she was referring not to the microcosmic mind of man, but to universal mind or the mind of God as it works out the energies of life in fulfillment of divine intention. Occultism reveals that which is hidden or forever invisible. And this requires one to see through the illusory nature of the phenomenal world and to free oneself of the bondage of materialism. This is done fundamentally through the development of the monastic will, the will of the mind, the right development of the concrete mind leads eventually to the awakening of the intuition, the highest mental faculty, and the ability to see, and this grants the ability to see that inner reality, which is the cause and master of all material forces. Occultism is also defined as knowledge of the essence of all things. And this knowledge naturally emerges from an understanding of the self upon the plane of mind as one with all selves. In the Bhagavad Gita, Sri Krishna tells us, he who sees me in everything and everything in me, verily he seeth. The expression of unity through the faculty of sight underlies all occult work. Sight corresponds to the mind and denotes a triplicity, subject, object, and the relationship between them. Occult sight therefore leads to realization of divinity, to understanding of its right expression, and to knowledge of the processes whereby spiritual evolution works out. Patanjali tells us that the seer is pure vision. And though pure, he looks upon the presented idea through the vesture of the mind. Pure vision is dual, self and reality forming one unit. In this state, the seer becomes the path and is the way. The mind, as an organ of that pure vision, still maintains its triple function. It looks out upon the world of causes. It interprets that world of causes in terms of the intellect, and it transmits to the brain consciousness upon the physical plane that which the soul, the observer, sees and knows. Our work here tonight is definitely mental in nature. And it rises even and particularly in the higher interlude, even above the level of the concrete mind towards an identification with that pure vision of the soul upon its own plane. And it is through this pure vision, free of all impediments and distortions that sees God in all things and all things in God. Then the mind can be used to mediate the energy of pure love into human thinking and living.
And so before we continue any further in our meeting tonight, um, let us sound together the mantram of unification. And as we sound this mantram, let us take the opportunity to affirm not just our group unity, but the unity of this group here tonight, united with all other groups around the world, working at the time of the full moon in one great hierarchical endeavor. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come in insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail let all people love. We work tonight in the energy of Pisces and with the keynote of Pisces for the disciple, I leave the father's home and turning back, I save. The symbol of Pisces is two fish swimming in opposite directions, but connected by a band. The fish representing soul and personality are separate, but linked by the Sutratma, the thread of life, throughout the long cycles of incarnation. On the fixed cross, or the discipleship path, the separated self is gradually renounced and occultly dies. This death of one's separative nature grants the indwelling consciousness a means of escape from the prison house of form and the way back to the father's home can then be trod. The father's home is a symbolic way of expressing the consciousness of the first aspect of divinity, either the consciousness of the spiritual triad acting as the house or vehicle of the monad or the state of being of the monad itself, dwelling in the courts of Shambhala at an even higher stage of evolution. The liberated man or woman in either case then turns upon the pedestal of light, as our full moon keynote states, and projects the light of salvation, which is the light of the spiritual triad and the light of the plan in service to humanity. This pedestal of light 
is the concrete mind, the foundation or platform upon which the white magician, truly the soul, stands in order to perform its creative work. From this position, the lower mind becomes an instrument of the soul and can be turned upwards or downwards and eventually both simultaneously. For there really is no up or down, only pure spirit in process of evolution through its many and varied forms. The objective of the plan is, quote, to reproduce upon the plane of mind, excuse me, to reproduce upon the plane of earth, the inner kingdom of the soul. That which descends from the abode of the father carries with it the energy of synthesis and at one This energy blends infuses the soul with the purified and integrated personality. The two form one unit and this makes the manifestation of the plan possible. For we know that the plan must work out through humanity. However, at one minute of soul and personality marks only a relative consummation of the evolutionary process. Once this state of fusion is achieved, the disciple then becomes a means of salvation for others. And he becomes the path so that the way for others is not so dark. We are told that it is the task of the fourth creative hierarchy, those monads who are our truest selves, to raise and lift the lower hierarchies, the lives of our material bodies, into a state analogous to our own. In Pisces, this is brought about through the death of the form, but never the death of the life dwelling within that form. This death that occurs in Pisces liberates the indwelling life from its material constraints and releases it into greater life. In this way, the chaos of pure matter is brought gradually to perfection, fused and blended with its opposite pole, pure spirit. The Tibetan writes that Pisces cuts the thread which, quote, binds the pairs of, which binds the two opposing lives together, while Venus, representing the soul, or the fifth principle mind, reunites the severed lives, but with no binding thread. In the human kingdom, this process of reorientation and subsequent reunification occurs through the development of the mind in both its lower and higher aspects. In its lower aspect, the mind is a tool of separation and prepares the field for the future at one moment. It does so through the development and right use of the mental faculties of dispassion, of discrimination, and attachment. And as an organ of vision, the mind bestows understanding, brings about realization, and it bestows knowledge of the will of the soul. And once this will becomes the dominating influence in one's daily life, the higher mind supervenes. The greater light of the soul blots out the lesser light of the personality, and the two become one glorious light manifesting in the three worlds of human endeavor. This is referred to as the manifestation of the incarnated Christ. It is the group conscious soul plus individuality functioning freely, freely in the world of form. And it is the right use of the mind in both its lower and higher aspects that makes this possible. 
Pisces is also the sign of the world's savior. And so is closely connected to the office of the Christ, which is an office with which all world saviors throughout history and which span across the various religions are all associated. Christ is both the individuality who at any time holds this office. He is also a great spiritual principle, or it is also a great spiritual principle. In ancient texts, this principle, which we refer to as Christ, was known by other names. It was called logos, verbum, or the word. Macrocosmically, the secret doctrine, the ageless wisdom, teaches that the original gods of light, which emerged after the fall of spirit into darkness, are collectively logos, or God in space, gods in space. Though there are many logoi in the cosmos, countless thousands or millions, they are also one. Logos is therefore the great reflector of universal mind, and it renders into objective expression some hidden or concealed thought. Logos, this great principle, even in a cosmic sense, is therefore an intermediary. It is the communicating agent between pure spirit, the ever invisible, and pure matter, which is also called chaos or space, and is the great container and veil of deity. In the microcosm, man is also an intermediary and expresses on earth his yet unrevealed divinity through the medium of the soul. The soul of man is the microcosmic Christ and it is imminent in every human heart. It awaits the mind to awaken it from latency into full expression. Christ, the great individuality also known as the world teacher, embodies this principle for our entire planetary life. His consciousness spans all kingdoms in nature, from the highest to the lowest, and he mediates divine intent into outer expression through a living sacrifice which is beyond our comprehension. Christ is the world's savior, and truly we are saved by his life. Because he lives, we live. And because he has died, we too can metaphorically die and enter into eternal life. But while the Christ of the Piscean age was rightly referred to as the world's savior, in the Aquarian age, now dawning, he is more aptly called the world teacher, for the aim is to grant humanity the agency to liberate itself. Through the teachings of Christ, and this includes all of the world's major religions, we can all become living examples of intelligent love and goodwill, and thereby manifest the plan in living expression on earth. In esoteric astrology, signs opposite each other on the zodiac are considered opposite poles of one whole. Virgo, which is opposite Pisces, is also deeply related to the Christ principle. Virgo represents the Virgin Mother, the third aspect of divinity and the opposite pole of spirit. In Virgo, soul and body are blended and the Christ child is given birth. Virgo therefore represents the desire for the expression of what is referred to as the hidden light of God, 
this birth, the birth of the Christ, constitutes a total reorientation to the world of human living and of man's sense of responsibility for himself and others. The marked duality of Pisces brings about this reorientation. Virgo nurtures and gives it birth. Virgo, as an expression of the third aspect of divinity, is also closely related to the mind. And it is via the mind that the Christ, hidden within the human heart, is birthed. Virgo, in fact, brings the entire personality to a state in which it is ready to be the mother of the Christ. In Virgo, the Christ avatar is called he who is for her the purpose of existence. The archetypal relationship between Virgo and Christ or Christ and his mother is a beautiful and deeply meaningful symbol of the right relationship between soul and personality. The personality is the mother whose entire existence is the nurturing development and growth of her child into adulthood. And for this, she eventually sacrifices all she has to give. Today, humanity stands near the end of a 21 year hundred, 2100 year cycle that has been conditioned by the energy of Pisces. And although today this energy is in process of crystallization, it has brought us near the birthing hour of the soul or Christ within humanity as a whole. And we have reached this point largely through the awakening of the mind and the right direction of that mind towards that which is good. Though human nature definitely continues to err, there are signs today that humanity is learning from the mistakes of its past. Today, the shadows of the past can no longer remain hidden and they are fixed firmly in the field of human awareness. This will inevitably lead to right vision wherein the mind is directed by the soul Understanding and right relationship are then inevitable. There is an uninterrupted thread that extends from the very beginning of humanity's past through the present and into the future. This thread is the path itself. It is eternal and it remains inviolate throughout the rise and fall of human civilizations. This thread affirms the fact of humanity's divine nature, and it remains a promise that one day humanity will manifest the will of God on earth. This path spans the past, the present, and even the immediate future. It is humanity's greatest and most permanent achievement and one which it continues to build strand by strand as it continue as humanity continues to evolve and so as we move into our meditation now let us keep in mind the uninterrupted continuity of our work here tonight which really can be traced back to the very dawn of human existence. For we are told that God has never left himself without witness. Though we cannot see God, we can continue in this great work of bearing witness to the divinity latent in humanity. And in doing so, thereby transmute our faith into a living testimony 
of his unerring beneficence. And so now let us proceed in the work which drew all of us here tonight, our meditation. The keynote of the full moon approach to hierarchy. He who faces the light and stands within its radiance is blinded to the issues of the world of men. He passes on the lighted way to the great center of absorption. But he who feels the urge to pass that way, yet loves his brother on the darkened path, revolves upon the pedestal of light and turns the other way. He faces towards the dark, and then the seven points of light within himself transmit the outward streaming light and low. The face of those upon the darkened way receives that light. For them, the way is not so dark. Behind the warriors, twixt the light and dark, blazes the light of hierarchy. Letting in the light. Group fusion. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. Project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Shanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. Extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known.
entire interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay. meditation, reflect on the seed thought. I leave the father's home and turning back, I save.
Precipitation. Using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers. Use the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy participation. Shambhala, to hierarchy, to the Christ, to the new group of world servers, to men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and finally, into the physical 
centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the center of the great ashram. Sound together the, the affirmation. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. Before we conclude, just a few announcements. The exact time of the Pisces full moon occurs um, shortly, actually, relatively shortly. It occurs tomorrow, very early tomorrow morning at 3.17 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our next new moon meditation will be Monday, March 15th at six o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. I think we shift the night before um, to daylight time. So that's Eastern Daylight Time will be on for that meeting at six o'clock. And then the next full moon meeting will be the Festival of Aries, um, which occurs Sunday, March 28th at 2 p.m. EDT. Normally our weekend meetings are always at three o'clock. This one, however, will be at two o'clock to accommodate the exact moment of the Aries full moon, which is at 2.48 p.m. EDT on that day. Thank you all and good night. <laughs>